Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 75 of Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage Podcast. We are three quarters of the way to 100, if you can buddy believe it. Um, hello, how are you? Hope you're well. Um, apologies again, the same as last week, when the last episode came out for the delays. Uh, between November and December, the weekends that I have, which are really the, the main tranches I get to edit, record, and... Uh, quote unquote produce whatever this bullshit podcast is uh, I've just been very very busy a lot of things have happened a lot of things are coming up uh, Christmases and birthdays and New Year's and all of that bullshit that happens in December so unfortunately I've been spread quite thin time few and far between so apologies um, there may be a delay or two more to come in December but then hopefully by January we'll be back on track with all of this cage nonsense that some of you seem to like. Uh, now, moving on to episode 75 this week. We've wrapped up 2015, finally. Um, I was joined by Ben Davis, the returning Ben Davis from Film Floggers podcast. You may remember he joined me previously to talk about National Treasure 2. Joining me this week for something very, very different in the political drama The Runner from 2015 uh, and this was an interesting one we get into a few different lines of conversation here we i suppose inevitably really end up talking about politics the bp oil spill and just you know throw some good old curveballs at the end we talk about our favorite scandals and for some reason we talk about what would have happened if nicholas cage was in the planet of the apes films from the 60s so trying to cover a good old few bases there Admin time, as ever, you can find me on Twitter at Cage underscore podcast. I'm on Instagram at Cage Rage Pod. And you can find me on all the usual streaming services, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, Amazon, Deezer, Stitcher, Podchaser, all the usuals. If you're listening anywhere that you can leave a rating for the podcast, you know, a five star or something, if you want to, you don't have to, but do it though, go on, it's Christmas. Uh, that'd be very, very helpful as well. And without further ado, let's get ready into it. It is episode 75, The Runner, Downledge, Red Davis, Duh. So it's time to finally put 2015 to bed with the political drama The Runner. This week, Cage plays Colin Price, a politician in the wake of the 2010 BP oil spill whose career is threatened when a scandalous video comes to light. Now, returning on the journey to True Cage Nirvana this week to see if The Runner is setting a new personal best or if it needs to take a breather is one part of the Film Floggers podcast, Ben Davis. Ben, welcome back. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you, Daryl. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a privilege to talk about Cage, and for me, it's it's quite a welcome relief, actually. It's been a lot of horror-based stuff over at Film Floggers the last couple of months, so yeah, I haven't done much Cage, so it's a good, good excuse to get some Cage in, which is nice. Always a good excuse to get Cage. Any excuse is a good excuse, I of find. Course. 
He said, you've been very horror-centric throughout October. Now come crashing down to solid ground in the year of our Lord, November 21, with a political thriller. Um, quite a marked difference from the last time you were on the podcast. We were talking about National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets, trying to get to the bottom of what was on uh, page 47, 57, a page. Oh. On a, oh, yeah, yeah, a page. <laughs> one, one of those... With a seven, maybe, at the end, possibly. There was a cage page um, of some description, uh, but then they, you know, back then they were stealing historical political documentation. Now Cage is deep in the politics. Um, I think this is the maybe the only political drama that he's done, uh, to my knowledge. So, um, with this one going into this, the runner is this one that you'd seen before, one that you're aware of before. Uh, I think I was aware of it, yeah. Definitely hadn't seen it before. But I'd heard snippets about how it was not a return to form as such. That's that's very subjective. You know, that's like, like saying that Cage has ever been off form. Of but course, good save. More of a, it strips it back a little bit, more of a stripped back performance. And 2015, I feel if, if we're going to have, if we're going to go along with the idea of Cage has had a bit of a renaissance for his career, when did it start? Did it start around this time, 2015, 16? Or when I say renaissance, I mean more for the, you know, the the general public. A lot of people will look at Cage and just think, oh, it's, there's Cage again. Then he's shouting, he's screaming. It's, he did become, in the eyes of some, a, a bit of a joke. But then he started to, I don't know if this was maybe the start of, of the comeback as such, if you want to call it that for some people, where he did start to appear in, more reasonably more well-known films and films that were getting cinema releases and he did make his his second comeback as such but i think with this film there there is a there is a lot of potential with it that's the, that's the 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 disappointing part for me i think for this there is there is a lot that could have been done with this to make it a genuinely quite good film and it doesn't quite hit the marks which is a shame but uh it's i like to see cage a stripped back cage. I was, I was, in some ways, I prefer that. I don't know if I said that on our National Treasure episode, but I always do like Cage when he's stripped back a little bit. I like that Cage. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> dare I say realism Cage, um, as as opposed to our our um, almost extraterrestrial friend uh, who's come to this Earth. Um, wasn't never interested in the rule book. Immediately put it to the fire and said, "No thanks, I've got it." Um, which you've got to respect. Although we were we sort of talking about this off record as well, and I think the general consensus between the both of us at least was, as you said, a bit of a missed opportunity with this one because for me, political films in general, political dramas, not really my my forte, not really my go-to. Um, I think, you know, without bogging down too much into it, real life is enough of a political drama um on any given day um but with this you know i i i was kind of expecting it to be a chore to get through a real bore of a film just like a run, just going through the motions like uh like politician does this politician tries to come back doing that but there was a lot more i suppose humanity in this than i was kind of anticipating um Obviously, you know, based on and in the wake of the BP 
oil spill, which, you know, when you, when you think about it, 2010 still realistically not that far removed from events now. Um, I think, I could be wrong, I think the BP oil spill has largely been dealt with. I think he says quickly Wikipediaing it as we speak, but unavoidable topic really, the BP oil spill. Do you sort of remember this news when it broke back in 2010? Yeah, I, I do. I, I I remember probably more of the reaction from BP and how they dealt with it. I mean, that was the big thing. These sort of things have happened before over the years, oil spills, but it was it wasn't just that. It was the worst one, I believe, in of recent times anyway um and in america's oceans but it was the way bp and the big wigs handled it afterwards and similar to something like um hurricane katrina and stuff it's the the event itself is terrible but it's the aftermath and how it's dealt with and how after a certain period of time it's unfortunately it's one of those things which is kind kind of quickly forgotten you see it on the news, people go, oh, that, that looks terrible. Oh, my God, look at all those, the sea life dying, all the birds, you all being washed up on the, on, on the beach, and it was, it was horrible. It was terrible, but you don't see the aftermath. It's unfortunately quickly forgotten, but then you may revisit it in like this film does. Five, you know, This is five years later, so you think, oh, five years, that's a good chunk of time. And you see the fishermen and how much they're still struggling after all this time. Yeah. Um, so it's always quite an interesting subject, and I think with political films, you know, similar to yourself, I I've seen I've seen a fair few, and they're very hard to get right. Political mm-hmm. films, you you need to. I don't think political films are, are that interesting in in the in the, in such that the actual content itself is that interesting. For some, it is. You know, politics. You know, I've got a vague idea about politics. I'm not huge into it, but I've got a good understanding of it. I like to think. But a lot, a lot of it's not that interesting, to be honest. For some people, it may be, but but that means within a film as well, for the general public to go and watch a film about politics, you have to try and you have to think of the the people who are in the film have to nail the performances. That's what steers a, a political based film into something that's actually quite good and reasonably accessible for the masses. Mm. And on the face of it, this film, and I was going to ask you this about Nicolas Cage in and around this time and most of i guess most of nick cage's vod films i feel the ones that i've seen the ones that i've that've um popped up for me is that nicholas cage is yet he's front and center he's the star and then you maybe get someone else that you kind of know or you oh yeah she was in that or he was in that oh or someone who's maybe not washed up but past their best and have, have been in better films are now taken a paycheck maybe and appeared in this film next to cage but this film's pretty stacked there's it's the cast is pretty well put together there's some you know sarah paulson for for one is pretty relevant at this time she's i think the last five to six years especially she's been lauded as one of the best actresses in in film and tv uh mm-hmm. connie nielsen i think is reasonably well known she's been in quite a few things um Peter Fonda, of course, is yeah. pretty... I think Peter Fonda's pretty good at this. I think he's, he's okay. So I don't know if if this is a bit of an anomaly in terms of having a quite a stacked cast for the for, for a, a, a video-on-demand Nicolas Cage film, or there has been previous ones that match up to this. 
I mean, it's, it's a good point because it, it's definitely something I was going to bring up in the fact that this film especially, so whether you like it or you, you don't like it, it has a very good supporting cast, um, whether you sort of enjoy you know, the plot of the film or you don't. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Sarah Paulson especially, um, great during this. Um, I mean, considering his output around this time, especially for Cage especially, there haven't really been films which I suppose would say are stacked cast-wise. 2015 here, he would have been coming off the back of, well, what I've dubbed 2014, perhaps Cage's worst year for movies. He got Rage Outcast left behind, Dying of the Light there as well. Um, so obviously, you know, I mean, Dying Light, he had the director that was uh, Paul Schrader, but that was quite famously meddled with behind the scenes. Um, 2016 arguably hit and miss um the trust which i think is quite an enjoyable film him himself and elijah woods um dog eat dog him and willem dafoe snowden even though he's only got basically a minute what i tantamount to a minute two minute cameo in there um but then still quite hit and miss between that and 2017 um i think still 2013 was probably a very underrated year for him. We had the Croods, the Frozen Ground, Joe. So I suppose the Croods really would have been the last stacked film. The Frozen Ground had him and John Cusack in. The Croods um, had a pretty much all-star cast. Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, Catherine Keener, Cloris Leachman, Clark Duke. So he wasn't having, I suppose, massive films after the Croods. The Croods probably would have been the last big paycheck film for a while until... What would the next big paycheck film have been from at that time? Um, Mandy, maybe. Obviously, that's got quite cult acclaim now. Uh, but arguably, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse would have been the next big paycheck film for him because that did phenomenally. And he's really been doing a lot of, I suppose, a lot of director video and independent stuff. I think that's really, you know, if you put the tax issues aside, I think he's... Also, he has claimed, I, I suppose it's worth putting out there as well, he's really been interested in the uh, the more independent affairs now, uh, the kind of films that's made him fall in love with films and filmmaking in the first place. So I suppose with the exception of, dare I say, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is coming out, maybe even Prisoners of the Ghostland, um, he's not massively been interested in doing sort of the big uh, the blockbuster anymore. Um, I think he's become maybe a bit more retrospective. So maybe even with that, there's credence in things like The Runner to say that he wanted to, um, you know, take it take it back a peg as well, which, you know, as an ardent follower of the Golden Hog, I'm here to respect Cage Senpai in all his forms. Um, I'm trying to think if there would have been anything else, but I think The Crude's maybe been the last big one. Um... Oh, I suppose, with the tangential link of you being on the podcast again, I still pray for the day that maybe we get that National Treasure 3 confirmation, but still holding, yes. on, to, still holding on to that flame. I don't yeah. know. I did see something recently, but there's there's been a lot of that. I, I don't know if the, the TV show's now been greenlit and Cage is, I saw Cage maybe making a cameo and that would then lead to a National Treasure 3. So it's like, oh, great, okay. I mean, we said that we like, yeah, we'll take the TV series. If Cage's not in it, not the best, but... Okay, you know, if that means we get the third national treasure, brilliant. I'm all on board. So, yeah, I don't know if there's there's someone who's just putting out these stories to try and get everyone hyped up. And 
or they're just hyping it, trying to hype up this TV series of National Treasure. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll watch it. And then the the empty promise of, oh, and if this goes well, we may get a third National Treasure, maybe. So I don't know if that's just, you know, they're just trying to sell the TV series off the back of a, a promise that may, they may not be able to keep with National Treasure free. But mm. no, but that's what I said about Cage. It's it's tricky because I was I was bleating on about how this is this, maybe not this film, but in and around in and around this period, 2015, 2016 onwards, was this the start of the renaissance for Cage? But I say that, but then it's it's very subjective because, you know, like yourself and even me, you know, I, I don't, I've seen, I've seen Cage films that I don't, I can say, do you know what? This is very good. But I've, I've very rarely seen a performance from Cage, which I didn't like, or I, I wasn't getting something from. Hmm. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the podcast. Every time I see Cage, it will, and you know, this, this works for other actors as well. They can be in bad films and Nicolas Cage has been in bad films, VOD films in this period. That's, you know, that's, I can accept that, but I can always get on board with his performance, even if it's absolutely ridiculous, even if he's, if he's, we're getting screaming, excited, angry cage, I'm still like, do you know what? Okay, I can take that. I think maybe for me, it was just nice to see cage doing this role where it was, it was stripped back and there was some stuff going on in this. It was, the political stuff, as I said, is, is quite hard to nail. I don't think it's very easy. And for someone like Cage to attempt this, I think it's it's bold in many ways. And there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't fleshed out enough in this film. That that was it. I think it was certain bits were fleshed out a bit more. Even maybe because it's Nicolas Cage and that's that's the, the drawback of having him on board that you, you try and focus all your story in and around his character and how he is a flawed human being but he is he's trying his best you know the, the message of the film is politicians are human too it's, it's that kind of thing isn't it where like you know he's he's trying his best but politicians too they may work hard and they may try and have all their fingers and loads of different pies but you have to remember they are human and they have emotions and they have things going on in their personal life just like me and you yeah and i think cage having cage as, as the the guy who's leading the charge maybe you didn't get enough time around the other characters, the other actors who are who are pretty good in their own right to flesh out their story. That may or may not have involved Cage as well with his wife and Sarah Paulson. So it's um it's a tricky one with this, I think, in this film. Yeah, definitely. And I think like you said, political dramas I think are always difficult to get right and also be appealing and have sort of a, a uh, I guess the air of the movie around them and have that kind of appeal. I think the last, I don't know if it's political, I think it was more, quote-unquote, a legal thriller was that I saw at the cinema was Dark Water with Mark Ruffalo. That was only on the basis that I have one of those unlimited cards for unnamed chain cinema, and it happened to be their, you know, uh, advanced screening film. Like, oh, well, we'll go and see it, and it's not that it was bad or not that it was not trying to tell an important story, but it's just... And you sort of feel bad for saying it, considering the subject matter of that film, but it's just a bit dull. And I think that's the yeah. thing with these political films that often, um, unless it's some kind of, it, it, it's actually an 80s action film or 90s action film that just happens to be about the president's bodyguard set during the White House. And as we were talking about off screen, it just happens to have like a Harrison Ford in there. Then... Um, it's I don't know. Maybe this is just me. I just find it hard to be interested in these political films. 
also, I mean, you know, even with TV series, I've I've never seen The West Wing. Everyone always says that The West Wing is great, but or I've not seen like Veep or anything like that, or the thick of it. Um, so you know, maybe maybe more for me for missing out there, but I don't know these these political things. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's they're, they're tricky to do. I think, and I, I don't. As I said, I don't think a lot of political films would be ones that you would deem good and ones that are well renowned and have won Oscars. It's they're they're all led by really good performances. And I, yeah, you can say that for most films. Most good films need to have some half decent performances in to make them a good film. But political, you know, this is a political drama, um, which, which in some ways, you know, how many? I'm trying to think of political dramas that I've seen. I, I've, I think I've seen a fair bit of political thrillers or ones that involve um, journalism and politics go side by side and then you've got journalists who are trying to um all the president's men for example journalists who are trying to f- figure out the watergate scandal so pol- they intertwine between the two which works quite well because you get you get two different narratives from two different points of view which is which maybe sexes up the politics side a little bit because you've got journalists trying to get to the bottom of all this seediness i think for this you didn't you didn't maybe i don't know how you'd have factored that in but maybe you you needed that that would have maybe made this a bit more interesting if he had something else going on in the background other than just seeing Nicolas Cage and his somewhat downfall from his pretty lofty position and he was all in on running for the Senate and, you know, at the start we're behind him and he's, he gives his powerful speech in in the Senate and in Congress and you're like, oh, okay, this this guy, this is, this is powerful stuff. This is, you know, Cage, he's getting upset. That normally does the job. People get on board. He's he's a local guy, Louisiana. He's talking for his people. Okay, we're on board with this guy. But even then, I was like, where's this going to go, though? I don't... Other than Cage selling this performance, which is so far got off to a pretty good start, I wasn't sure where it was going to go, how, how it was going to keep up the interest. And I, it didn't fall down straight away from that, but it didn't really, other than the personal life starts coming out to everyone. There just wasn't anything that was interesting enough to, to really keep me invested in, in everyone, even Nicholas Cage. I think he was, I think he's putting a good performance in this. I think it was good, but it just wasn't enough going on to, to keep me wanting to be coming back and getting really that being that interested. In it. I think that's, as you said, it's, it is quite, I've, I've seen dark water too. And good film, Mark Ruffalo, really good performance, a, a, a pretty interesting in, pretty interesting subject that not similar to the all the all spill but something that for years and years just was completely under the radar people didn't know about it but unfortunately in, in large parts in dark water just a little bit boring unfortunately yeah. it's just I, but i don't know how you negate that that's the thing is i just it's i don't know how you negate that in these sort of films how how do you negate the boredom it's it's tricky to do it's it's very it's very difficult so i think it's you know, especially these political dramas which focus on these real life events as well, I suppose, like a dark water, like a the runner. It's um you know, and I say this as someone who's not a filmmaker or anything like that, but it's I guess it's how do you contextualize, I guess both in one part, the real tragedy of what's happened and try and match that with uh I guess the the human drama that you're trying to present as well. I suppose with the runner, maybe for better or worse, it does try to focus more on 
the human element of it of you know it's it it's almost like the i suppose it is really the bp oil is the backdrop to all of this um it's kind of just a thing that's happened whilst a politician is going through this midlife crisis downward spiral and i suppose in some ways as well maybe looking at this with a you know a 2021 modern lens uh but obviously the scandal that comes out is that he's been having an affair on his wife with another married woman who's a um a local tennis coach but it's hit home harder because uh she's the wife of a fisherman and the fishermen have been hit hard because of the crisis as well and i suppose it doesn't seem to really dwell on the scandal too much um the uh lady who plays the the scandy whatever the the term for that is uh lucy hall i think by kira payton hope i'm pronouncing that correctly doesn't really focus on sort of her too much she's kind of an extraneous element to it all i suppose kind of watching it for myself was kind of like um well i'm I'm not surprised and it wasn't like a shocking revelation or anything for me because it's kind of like in this day and age you know you hate to say it's kind of normalized you don't you kind of expect your politicians to be a git in some form or other. Any politician, be they an American congressman or congresswoman or a British MP, you expect them to be on the git scale somewhere. So it's kind of just a bit of an the whole scandal part. It's kind of like a non-issue for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's we've seen it before, haven't we? We've seen it before in films, and we've seen it before in real life. It's, it's it just comes with the territory, it seems, for a lot of these, for a lot of politicians in this, especially when you have someone who's who does something good and and um, I forgot what the guy's called. Um, is it Anthony Weiner? I don't, I don't know if his first name was we- Anthony or not. There was a local, there was a politician a, a few years back who who was making waves in in Congress, and I think he was going to run for the Senate. And then, it, and then all this this sexting stuff came out. How he was sexting loads and loads of women behind his wife's back, and I think his wife was an aide to Hillary Clinton. So there was all that as well. And he was, you know, he was a really up and coming guy. And then all this happened. And then he he took a couple of years off, came back again. He was like, right, I'm going to put it right. We go again. Everyone's like, oh, let's get behind him again. Great. And then, yeah, did it again. <laughs> Found out more sexting. So yeah, same. I think he was running for. Um, mayor of New York at this point. I, I can't. I think it's Ween. I can't. I can't remember his, his his first name. But there was a documentary on on him and the the years before and after, and you know his marriage and it all came crum, crumbling down. But yeah, it's it's been seen before, isn't it? And the thing about Nicolas Cage in this and what he's doing, he's you know ultimately the film itself is is largely slightly uninteresting character study about Nicolas Cage and how he's he's doing good deeds and he's trying to help his local people and he's trying to help he's got this organization and he's he's trying his best to raise money and he's he's saying no to the big oil tycoon who wants to give him loads of money but it's against what he believes in which you know which is great and again you've seen that before but it's just it's the idea that and you know and I think that's that is quite an interesting subplot, but again, similar to the politician who who seems like he's got the world at his feet, and then scandal hits him in the face. It's just been seen before, so even the stuff that this film's relying on to try and flesh it out a little bit and make it a bit interesting and to keep you captivated somewhat, you've seen it before, unfortunately, and you've you've seen it in in lesser films and you've you've seen it in better films. 
So it's just, again, it's just one of those things where it, in some places it works and then at some places it just doesn't. It's just, it just falls a bit flat, which is, yeah, it's, it is a shame ultimately. Anything with Cajun, you get excited. You're like, okay, what are we going to get from this time? And I think one of the biggest crimes that maybe a cage film could be is that it can be boring. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. You don't, Nicholas Cage, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't have Nicholas Cage and the word boring side by side. It's like, no, no, that's, if, if there's one thing Nicholas Cage isn't, it's, it's boring. So, yeah. <laughs> a Nicholas Cage film that's boring, it's like, oh, no, hang on. That's, that's not going to work for me. And that's unfortunately what this is a little bit. Yeah, I think it's, um, I suppose we've been touching on earlier, I guess, Cage stretching his wings, maybe in that sort of post Joe. Uh, time frame for him as well where he's had that uh, that hint of the quieter more introspective performance um, or I guess the naked acting as he was calling it where he, does, where he feels like he's kind of just talking and he's not really doing any acting um, I was looking at some of the uh, interviews that he gave ahead of this and he'd, he was asked if he'd looked into um, any politicians in particular ahead of the role as well, I suppose, talking about politicians. Um, and he, he he does give a slightly political answer here. He's like, without mentioning any names, I looked at pretty much every story that may come to your mind about a politician on the rise who was stopped short or dragged down by personal flaws and then just became a media storm. I see this as a thing that continues to happen in America and I wanted to say something about that. Um, and he added that, along with that, his reasons for playing Colin Price the first that he wanted to go back to a more quiet internal emotional style of film performance similar to Joe as well and also adding that um, I think he felt he could put himself in Colin Price's shoes to an extent with uh, given understanding of Colin's experience um, and he was sort of citing here what he calls like the TMZ culture which I suppose is quite true because he says how the media is really just more interested in selling you the public gossip and personal flaws rather than you know these are the stories these are the pressing issues of our time and i definitely think there's some credence in that um i can see where he's coming from i suppose with a celebrity of his name of his sort of caliber as well who has spent a lot of time again for better or worse in the public eye and tried to keep quite a personal life um Again, you know, we joke about it, but other than all the, you know, the crazy Cajun stories that we know about him, um, I think there's definitely some uh, some merit in that as well. Um, would you would you have said that there's, you know, agree with Cajun sort of a TMZ culture in our in our world today? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's if that's what he's working with, it makes sense because as we said, it's if he's going down that that line of of TMZing himself all over this film and adding it to this his character, it makes a lot of sense because that's that's kind of what his what his character is portraying, isn't it? That's what what he's doing to a point is that he's getting you know he's he's someone who has got the world at his feet. He's got the wife who's there who's you know pushing him along. There is there is a little bit, and I know we can't say his name anymore, Kevin Spacey, but there is that House of Cards a little bit with with the the wife who in her own right has got a career and is doing well, but is, is pushing cage and saying he can do more. And he's, he's, he, you know, he's someone who's capable of great things again, not quite fleshed out enough. And I think Mm -hmm. the wife overall is not really, not really Connie Nielsen's fault, I don't think, but she's not, 
not that interesting and you you maybe should feel something more for her because at the end of the day she's ambitious that's nothing wrong with that but you don't you're not that first for me anyway I wasn't that first about her and I don't think Nicolas Cage was actually that great to her but she was still there at the end and she still basically took him back and said no let's go again come on you can do it yes there's yeah it's maybe selfish in a way because of her ambitions but yeah it's I think with with the ambition stuff as well, it's Nicolas Cage gives off the vibes that he's doing this for the people and deep down he's he's a really nice guy and I think he is, but there is of course the, the thinly concealed ambitions. I don't think it you know, he it doesn't take him long to come around to the idea of going again, starting from the bottom, working his way up again. Um and I I, I think the, the relationship he has with Sarah Paulson and and, and that period of time that sub again great actor but not fleshed out enough and there is I, I you i guess you're meant to feel more than you should when he has the emotional phone call with her and says oh you know you're back with your husband now what's going on what about me you coming to visit and then she asks him the question about look you said that you give up your career for me would you really do that or would you regret that in six months and he can't answer the question so again i think by this point i unfortunately had probably switched off a little bit so it come a little bit too late for me, but I, I was going to ask you, how did you find um, his dad and their relationship? Again, one of those for me, which was when they were together, I think the scenes were quite good, but something was just missing a little bit. Again, something that could have been fleshed out a bit more and not even if we needed to spend more time with them, but the emotional impact wasn't quite there for me. Not as much as I feel like the film was driving towards you would, you meant for these two guys that Nicolas Cage had somewhat tried to distance himself from his father and the mistakes he maybe made. And he was kind of going down a similar path. And I know he's got the problem with alcohol and, you know, Nicolas Cage can play a pretty good alcoholic. So any scene involved in that was pretty good. But how, how did you find that? Was Did it did those two sell it for you? Or did you find it a bit off? I think it's kind of the issue with, um, I suppose, all the characters in the film, or I guess the main players, such as, you know, um, Colin with Deborah, Colin with his father, Rain, in that they all kind of play a little second fiddle. They all could have been fleshed out a little bit more. They all could have been a little bit more. I mean, I thought, you know, for the, the, the two or three scenes he had, I thought Peter Fonda was very good. So I thought he was very sort of like attention drawing in the scenes that he was in. I think we get a lot of the backstory in the scenes that were in. His, um, it's established that he used to be the mayor of Louisiana. Uh, it's kind of like a mirroring of him and his son as well, saying the apple doesn't fall from the tree because they both had their fair shares of scandals and um, trying to sort of move on. And then, you know, Rain is someone who's been in the limelight. He's gone through sort of, he says like, you know, alcohol, alcoholism he's gone through um a spitting uh there was an episode with spitting or something when he i'm gonna i assume he gobbed on someone um but it's it's still kind of um i guess pushed to the background because i think that's a lot what a lot of people end up advising colin is that like it's politics people are gonna forget about this you just keep on you carry on carry on you weather the storm but i think with a lot of these characters it's that they want you to have that emotional connections you know like oh this is his life these are all the things these are what makes him human and i don't know if there was anything that quite punched through 
um, you know, obviously with Deborah, it's um, she, she's the very sort of career focused, determined uh, uh, woman in this, and the film makes a conscious effort to very much portray her as quite cold and quite icy. Um, and with Peter Fonda's character, it's you know that first scene he's sort of like swanning through the media is like, hey, in Louisiana, we've all got to stick together. These are our family. Um, and I could, I kind of thought he was going to have a bigger presence, like he was going to take more of a a role in things and maybe in this sort of comeback trail campaign. But um, he, he sort of didn't. So I, I think this is kind of the thing with these characters. I think with the exception of Kate, that um, just thinking they're going to have more more of an impact on sort of Colin, more of a role in the general proceedings of things and the overarching story. And it kind of made it difficult to, I guess, invest in them a little bit more for me uh, because you, you kind of just get what you're given. It's like, I'm your father, we're distant, also I'm dying. I'm your wife, um, we can be distant, here's a divorce. So it's kind of like, you kind of served on a plate, like this is this is what you're getting with these two. And then obviously you get maybe like a hint of something because um, I don't know. I think the film tries to push maybe the narrative. You know, like he, Colin, he's the good politician. He's the good guy. You know, he's he's left leaning. He's looking at greener energy solutions. He's a community man, a man of the people. Um, but it was kind of making me think as well. You know, obviously as the film goes along, they're trying to discuss like, oh, how do we come back from this? Do I? Do you resign? Do you just weather the storm? And then eventually, you know, as the film is coming to an end, he's back on the campaign trail again. It's it, even with like politics today, and I suppose British politics really. It's if you're an MP, and I suppose um, if you've got influence and wealth behind you and that kind of thing. It doesn't really matter what you say or what you do. You're not out of the picture for long. It takes so, so much for you to be, you know, however you want to look at this term, cancelled as an MP or forced to step down or resign. Um, and even with this as well, it's just like some time passed, you shook the right hands, and now you're back on the horse again. Um, and it's kind of the almost indestructible cycle of the politician. It's very hard no matter how many stakes you put through a heart, they no matter how many times you expose them to sunlight and garlic and the silver holy cross, um, they they don't stay buried. Um, no, no, you, yeah, yeah. No, you make a good point. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, if you look at, well, I guess you could look at politics from across the board, and there's always been certain figures and certain families and certain people that just seem to keep coming back. Doesn't matter what scandal they get hit with, they just keep going. Like, I guess, I guess it's it is in politics. A lot of it is you know who you know, not what you know. It's it's that it's they they know a lot of people. They can generate a lot of money. They can get it's like you do a run and you make a run for senate. You make a run for governor. It's it's how much money can you get? Who do you know? Who can fundraise? So I'm guessing a lot of the same people are always in that circle, and they just maybe just add to it with more people. But it's it's just all about who you know and how much money you've got. What contacts can you ring to go, right, I'm going to try again. 18 months, the dust has settled, let's go again. And I think with politics now, you, know, you, you see who, who's been in charge and in the UK, in the US, all around the world. And it just seems like they, they do just get mulligans. They just get, they just get the chance just to go over and over again. And, and that's even daily. 
someone, you know, like you know, Donald Trump, our prime minister, Mr. Johnson, there's certain things that they're coming out with a lot where you feel at some point in time, that would automatically be like, oh, if we're, if we're talking about the, you know, the cancel culture, you'd be like, well, was, would, that, would that comment be getting them canceled? Would that comment be, um, would be lead them in, into a lot of trouble? But it's, it seems to just be, it's almost, it's almost comedic, isn't it? And that's, that's the, the scary part is that you don't, you expect it now. You expect just absolutely ludicrous stuff from the people at the top, yeah. which is, um, yeah, pretty concerning, but it's not, it's not, it's not, you're not shocked anymore. You're just like, oh, right. Oh, what did he say today? Oh, disinfectant. Oh, bleach. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's particularly bad one for him. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it is, it is a not, it'd be interesting to see this film if it was made now, because five years, five, six years ago, even 2015 is not that long ago, but things are changing so much. Be interesting just to see what the you know, had the, the the GP oil oil spill, but the um, sorry the BP oil spill, but what the background would be now, what the backdrop would be, if it would be something else, and how they would have worked with that, and if that would have made any difference. Um, but no, it's yeah, politics and politics and film are an interesting combination because they they make sense and it makes sense to do it, but it's I think it's always going to be at something where how much do you in some ways politics now are have gone so far the other way that when you take when you you're making a film about politics you're not having to really skew the truth you're not having to to really go well that we have to change the narrative of this for for the for a film because we have to get people on board and we have to make it interesting so we have to you know we have to sex up a bit we have to add things in that are, you know r- ridiculous and in the real world that that politician is never going to be saying that but they are saying that now. So <laughs> in some ways, it's maybe harder to make a, a political thriller or political drama really that interesting because you have seen it before and you're not, you're not that shocked by it because you're like, well, I'm hearing this in, in the real world, in real politics. So what you're coming out with is, is actually, if anything, it's quite tame. It's, I'm, I've, heard, I've heard worse yesterday so from the prime minister. So anyway, but um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's kind of been like, you know, you just take a look on social media and throughout, I suppose, I suppose to it since 2016 for me, you look on um, just, oh, well, what have this party said now? And then for me, you know, looking at at the time of recording, the party in charge in the UK, the Conservatives, and one MP said this, one MP's done that. And you just think to yourself as someone who um, who personally is one of those uh, left-leaning, lunatics, tree-hugging, PC-loving S. JW this that and the other you just kind of think like what does it take for people to think that you're bad because there's just a period of time where every day was like well this is getting categorically worse every single day and yet we're on it's that classic dog meme of like the dog with the house on fire saying this is fine which is just the UK political climate and I suppose maybe across the pond in, in, in many respects, the um, US political climate as well. Although I suppose, depending on your political leanings, depending on who you speak to. And then, so you see like, you know, Trump's out of office and then Biden's in, you kind of think, oh, Biden, you know, he's, you know, he's going to maybe represent some change. But then you sort of read into it now and it's like, well, at the time of recording yesterday, he had a colonoscopy, which is the most interesting thing he's done in his term, I think, so far. And then you look into it more and it's like, Oh wait, no, no! You're an old white man. You're just another politician who makes all these promises and then you don't deliver or do anything. Why would I 
or anyone that have been sort of, you know, webbed in by all of this. Um, and I suppose that, you know, brings me to another point. Cage was asked about um, can a politician still be an effective leader if their life has, quote-unquote, gone off the rails? Um, and it was also quite a political answer to this in response. Uh, Cage said, I'm always going to judge somebody on their work ethic and whether or not they made me feel something and whether or not I felt that they did a good job. To me, it's important to try and block anything personal or look at the performance in any field. Um, so it's you know, a very, very safe answer there, which should answer that can be applied to chefs, painters, dog walkers. Um, did they make you feel something? Um, so I mean, politically, I haven't felt anything. I haven't felt hope since... I don't remember when the last time I felt hope was. I don't remember it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the, the thing with politics, and I, yeah, I, I'm not. I guess I'm someone who doesn't doesn't really lean either way, or or I don't I don't sit here now and say I'm I'm very right wing, I'm very left wing. I I try to look at it, and I, I I keep abreast of of events just because it's, I think that's you know hopefully you should do that as someone who lives in whatever country you live in and you want to know about world politics and what's going on in the world. And with COVID, it's it's been it's been largely that over the last couple of years. But that as 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 of course then brought lots of stuff to the forefront with politicians making decisions, which of course have for a lot on the on the um a lot of the time have, have been dubious. Um. And I, I think for me, that's that's where I am. I'm. It's something where politics-wise, across the well, not not everywhere, but you know, if we're talking the UK and we're talking in in regards to the film in America, that it is very soap opera esque, and a lot of people who have got zero interest in politics, and have never had an interest in politics, and maybe don't even vote, or maybe when the vote vote comes around, they start having a look at the debates and they start going, oh, who should I vote for? Again, maybe still not that much interest, but it's that time of the season again. So it's like, okay, no, I should maybe take some interest for six weeks. It's, you're hearing from the latest blunder. You're, you're waiting to go on Twitter and social media or the news and going, oh God, what did he do now? Oh, what did he say? And it is quite, it's quite depressing. It, it, it depends, again, it depends how much, how invested you are in it. And I think I'm, for me, I, I'm I'm in, I'm invested in finding out about current affairs, but I'm not invested in a in a party enough for me to get truly upset. Other than just look at it from just as a as a fellow human being, seeing Biden, for example, or seeing Donald Trump come out with some of the stuff they've been coming out with, uh, or acting in a certain way, and and the same in the UK, and just uh, from a human point of view, looking at it and thinking, that's yeah, that's that doesn't seem like a great decision, or maybe we should rephrase that sentence it's it's just a really weird time isn't it it's just a really odd time and covid is not i don't think it's helped matters but even before that we, we've had we've had a good few years of of i don't know how to sum it up weirdness in politics and current affairs it's a lot of funky things are happening and a lot of funky people seem to be ascending to the top and i, I feel with politics you you always have to have something about you to get into politics in the first place you know i don't know what what you in terms of character traits but you have to have a certain personality to want to be a nicholas cage to want to be that character and to to want to put yourself in the spotlight and to to be able to just to keep coming back and in the face of adversary and just keep going again and 
having that drive to want to please the people, but also at the same time be willing to accept a whole heap of abuse. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't think it's the career for me. I don't think I I would be doing a Nicolas Cage type thing anytime soon, but it's, um, look, it's interesting. And I think that sums up the film. It's, there's just, there's a lot of things that are quite interesting. Politics is very interesting, but it's just, you know, we've, and we've said it a few times now, it's just the ideas and are there, but it's just not fleshed out enough to, to make it anything other than not even a disappointment, just, uh, I've seen it. I wasn't offended by it. It was just a run of the mill political drama that had Nicolas Cage in. Take Nicolas Cage out of it and you put someone else in, it probably would have been even more dull than it was. Even with the cast that were in it, I think Nicolas Cage bring, Nicolas Cage always brings something to any film he's in. As I said, even the bad ones. But you replace Nicolas Cage with some Nicolas Cage with someone else, it maybe takes goes down, you know, goes down to a if he's if you're saying if it's a five, it maybe goes down to a four because it's just well, Nicolas Cage brings something to the present, brings something to the character, but without him, it's again, it's even more forgettable. Um, I was wondering what the the whole running analogy was. So it's called the runner. So I wasn't sure if what we were meant to think about that. If we, I know Cage has his goes goes for runs, which I always I always find it quite um, comedic watching. I always find it quite comical watching Cage run. I know he has a bit of a an odd cadence to his run. I've seen him run in a few films, and I always I always feel like he, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I always like seeing Cage run. Um, but yeah, I was just trying to work out what what the runner was and if there was any anything you know, another meaning to it. Him running rounds the fisheries with you know trying to help them financially, or running from one lover to the next, or running away from his marriage or, you know, running yeah. away from his fight with alcohol and, or maybe it was just because he likes to run in the morning. Yeah. I was wondering if there's any deeper significance than that, but, um, I, th- I feel like it's just sort of the double layered meaning of he is a man who likes to run. He is also running for office. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to tell you that it's, um, cons- considerably deeper than that. Uh, I was just looking at one of the film posters for it. It's you know it's like the runner. It's got like a sort of like oil rig in the bottom center and like in the funneling smoke of it. That's where you know Nicholas Cage's image is in like the smoke at the top there, and he's got the White House and um, sort of behind there as well. And in the second end, there is the silhouette of a man running, which I assume is him. So you know that there's elements of running here. So I suppose he's just yeah he runs. He runs from scandal to scandal. He runs from job to job. Um, I suppose he lands that nice custody job at the sort of the non-profit as well, the uh, Louisiana Congressional something, uh, the LCF. It's something or other where he's an attorney for. Gets a nice little custody job there. Lands that 3.5 mil for them. Then becomes the face of corporate America. Sells out on all these ideals. I suppose is that is that the key to success? It's what you know. I've been jokingly saying on the podcast. Need to go more right wing. You know, you get the all tycoon coming to full flag as HQ says. You know, we will bankroll this. You can have the best studios, the best tech, the best microphones, the best mixers. We can get you access to the stars. But every fifteen minutes, you've got a five minute plug for oil. Would you do it? 
Oh, that's put me on the spot, isn't it, Daryl? Um, would Ben be the face would of I, oil? Would I do it? Would I be the face of oil? Um, I'm, I'm guess I'm going to have to say no. I think I think no is the right answer in this for that question. But I don't know. I'd have to judge it at the time. I feel I'd, I'd have to see how the how the downloads were looking. If they were looking reasonably low that month, I may be swayed. Or if they were, uh, you know, if I'd reach if I, if I'd gone from ten to eleven for the month, I'd blow. Hang on a minute, it's it's looking pretty good. It's picking up. So yes, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no for the time being. But who knows? I'll for leave the, it open for the listener. He is also winking when he says no as well. So take that yes. as you will. Yes. Um, Thank God this isn't on video. <laughs> well, there's another scandal about to come out on YouTube. <laughs> Fil- film floggers exposed, all caps. Uh, the oil bandit Ben Davis, as they call him down the allotments. Yeah. <sighs> he said it was just chip oil for his uh, for his his midnight supper, but it turns out it was that gull drowning oil that we don't like in the ocean. It goes, it goes a lot deeper than that, yeah. It goes it goes deep, as deep as the oil wells that are being drilled as we speak. Um I think stuff like this though, it always makes me think with these um you know, any kind of big news story, I always think like, you know, like five years from now, ten years from now, a hundred years from now, people look back on this, what are they gonna think? Sometimes I think, you know, the the poor students who are learning like history, GCSEA levels and all of that. When eventually the the um in the what's the word for the, the not the census when it, when a their topic for the year should I say or for the for the semester or whatever they're looking at I guess like twenty fifteen twenty sixteen onwards and I can only think they come to the sit down at that exam the question is just what the fuck happened after twenty sixteen and these that you're looking at that in the year you know twenty one sixteen hundred years later. There's still a conservative MP in charge. There's still another old white man in the White House. We've got robo people sponsored by oil walking around. Half the earth has been is now a wasteland and giant rats and basically we're living in a fallout video game at this point. That's what that's the trajectory I, I see for this planet. You know, uh, you know, film vloggers that's still going. It's been handed down through the generations. They are now sponsored by oil. You know, yeah. You 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 look at this future scenario. Everything's on fire, and you know, can you? Are you okay with that? But as long as film vloggers are doing okay, is the blood money good for you to uh, to sleep well at night, knowing this is the future? Yeah, yeah. The, it's nice to hear that film vloggers endured. That's nice to hear. And I guess with me out the picture. <laughs> I guess it's not my responsibility anymore. You know, I've laid the foundations. I've created a uh, fantastic product for the for the next generation to to take up and and in, you know improve and, and take it to the next level. So, yeah, I feel if I'm if I'm out of the picture, my legacy's intact. My legacy will not be tarnished. I've laid the groundwork for something, and look, it's my the next generation, my my children, my grandchildren have been the ones who, unfortunately, have been tainted by. As you said, a, a you know a, a fallout dystopian world that we've now found ourselves in, but we're long gone. So we did our best in the time that we were around, but now they're just doing the best in the time that that they're around. So, but no, it's as long as film vloggers endure, and um, 
that's that's the main thing I think taken away from that. As long as we're still going in some form, God forbid. That's frightening, isn't it? A hundred a hundred more years of film vloggers. Oh my God. Hundred. Sorry, more everyone. Years. Sorry. I mean, I suspect there'll be a hundred more years of Nicolas Cage movies left yet. So, you know, I have no intention to die anytime soon. My my work on this realm is not yet done. I've got to keep going for the people, for Cage, for Cage Senpai, for the journey. And maybe I'll be, you know, will the oil sponsor come? Well, I think, you know, two things that, you know, when I think of oil, I think of Nicolas Cage. Will that be the way I start my podcasts? Um, now, would I would I be strong enough to say no to the oil sponsorship? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would. I'm a weak man at the best of time. It's a tough question. It's a tough question. Uh, you- I feel, yeah, I feel Nicholas Cage will be will, will um, at some point in the future will will freeze himself as well. I think there'd be some there'd be some of that. I can imagine he's that's what he's saving for. I feel so. I think Nicholas Cage is going to be around for a few thousand years yet. I feel. Well, he's got that um, that sort of pyramid tomb that he's bought for himself in New Orleans. So I imagine there's some kind of like stasis pod under. You know, you peel up that sort of Toblerone top underneath a cage is just in um, some kind of, you know, glowing blue ooze conserved for future generations. You know, when we've when we've got to pick our brightest and best to survive the wasteland, take us into the new generation start the repopulation process if they haven't figured it out by that point then you know cage is my pick cage is my nom my nomination for the new world yeah can't argue with that father cage bringing us through to a new realm a new world they will they will take down the um the uh christ the redeemer statue in brazil it'll be cage the redeemer Oh yes, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, statue of Liver Cage, um, Big Ben, Big Cage. Instead of like your, your like your bells, you're like bong. Um, <laughs> the London Eye, the London Cage, the London Hog, I should say. Um, I have to say that all of most of these are an improvement. To be honest, like it's not it's not like you're you're desecrating stuff that's lovely. Yeah, some of it's nice, but I think having Cage as a replacement would potentially improve some of these i suppose what i'm actually pitching here is um very much a planet of the cage instead of planet of the apes um you know get your hands off me you goddamn dirty cage i mean that that'll be what the naysayers say when they're trapped in a net by um the legions of cage um and it'll be uh i think this is i think this is the dystopian future that I want for the world where it's just cages running amok. That's the life that's the life I want. That's what I'm getting at here. Talking of Planet of the Apes, I feel Cage would have been yeah, he'd have been good for that. He'd he'd have knocked that out of the park at Planet of the Apes. Maybe a remake of the of the original. I think I think that he would have really sold that scene on the beach when he sees the uh, the Statue of Liberty's head. I think that would that would have that would have been a good look for Cage. I think he'd have nailed that performance. Yeah, I think seeing um you know, instead of Charlton Heston, if we're recasting uh the historical greats, it's uh caged and Nicholson on his knees, loincloth, sandals. Oh! And then I think, you know, nineteen sixty eight when that film came out, the world would not have been the same. We would have been in uh 
You know, they did well. They had all the sequels beneath Escape from Conquest, Battle for, um, but none of them are really taken into account. The Planet of the Cage, where it was just the settle down on the Planet of the Cage, make a family on the Planet of the Cage. So what I'm saying is that Nicolas Cage, <laughs> in this dystopian future, there will be a version that rails all of us. Um, and then the raw dog, the golden hog, will endure. Um, you know, just like in this one, we got a gumbo raw dog as well, Louisiana special. So, uh, which leads me to my next question, Ben: favorite political scandal? Oh, oh, jeez. Um, I think for me, because it was maybe when I was like, I say, I was going to say I, I understood what was going on, but not really, but. You know, I'm a nineties kid, so I think I think the whole Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky was is kind of fresh. I think I was still too young to understand what the hell's going on, but I know at the time, even as a kid, that was a huge thing. It was just all over the place and it, it was maybe it was my first understanding, even when I got a little bit older, it was the thing that popped up to to see that. Because of, I think with politicians there is maybe that mystique around it and you you don't quite realise that. Oh, you know, surely they're politicians. They're they're people of power. They're in they're in high positions. These these people wouldn't be doing bad things, would they? They're not having affairs. When I found out about JFK, and you know how he was having affair upon fair and Marilyn Monroe and all this stuff, it was oh no, no, surely not. That's not no. He was a lovely guy. He had a family. He had a wife. So I think just because it's it was relevant for me at the time, and that was the first one that I probably understood in terms of scandal uh i think yeah monica lewinsky and bill clinton but i think there's a lot more more interesting ones out there it's just the one that pops into my head first i think what about yourself yeah i think it's a solid choice solid choice political scandal wise um i hope i'm not misremembering it. i don't know if he was in office at the time but didn't arnold schwarzenegger have that sort of scandal because he'd slept with a a maid was he in office at the time or was this just a thing um, that happened at the home yeah, no, I think that was just his nanny in, in the late nineties. I think I think it came it came out when he was in office. So when he was governor of California, I, th- I think the the kid had got to a certain age where it was like, uh, mm, he looks a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think is should we look into this or yeah? So I, I think it, it came out because I maybe just after he finished his term, he his marriage ended possibly, or it was it was going through the process. At, towards the end of his term so yeah that was yeah pretty I, I did read his book actually a while ago Schwarzenegger he's he lived a life that guy he's, he's lived a life certainly he's, he's done a lot I can imagine there are a lot of um, Schwarzenegger children that we don't know about but just little yeah. Arnie's little Arnie's yeah. walking around the globe yeah I think so yeah he was um, having a good time that would not would not surprise me at all and I forget he was a oh he was a Republican candidate as well. Um, I think this is you know maybe this the idea of celebrity in politics as well. Um, maybe part of the appeal of why we have had a sort of a Trump in as well. Maybe it's someone who's not a politician, someone who's different. But here's the thing: if Schwarzenegger was um, <laughs> a UK candidate and he was in my uh, constituency, I can't <laughs> I can't say that I wouldn't have voted for him. <laughs> Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it, with Schwarzenegger? Yeah, as a fan, and you sort of, 
guess you know, I guess it maybe wasn't very funny for people in California at the time who weren't fans of Schwarzenegger as a as a politician anyway. But yeah, I, in some ways, he he's the one who potentially started all this. Schwarzenegger, a guy who was a bodybuilder turned actor turned politician is like turned governor. Really, that's interesting. That was back in what he came into into the role in two thousand and three. So this is this is before. Trump was around, of course, but this is this is before Trump started to work his way up and The Apprentice and yeah, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. There you go. What have you done? So I think it, it just I think it was the start of this year. He put out a video on Twitter where he was condemning the Capitol riots. It was like this seven minute video, and I think he got out the the sword he had from the film Conan the Barbarian at one point as well. Um, 40 million views as a recording on that video. Very worth checking out. But I think what we can really hammer down here is that for many political issues that the world has faced, the catalyst with this was the Terminator. Um, so do we do we go back in time and stop Arnold Schwarzenegger in a completely <laughs> ironic twist of fate? That's the uh, that's the the question I'm putting out there to uh, to listeners. Um, Ben, would you go back to stop Arnold Schwarzenegger, knowing what you know now? Oh, another tough question. You put me on the spot this episode, Daryl. Um, yeah, probably, probably. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was, you know, great bodybuilder, big muscles, fine action star, politician. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I think maybe one step too far. I think I'd probably say, do you know what, Arnie? Just, just stay away from that. Stay clear. You know, by, by, by all means, endorse someone. Be be the head of someone's campaign, but maybe not do it yourself. I think stick to the films, Arnie. That's that's what you're here for. Don't don't get involved in that. So probably, yeah, yeah. I feel like I probably would for for everyone's sake. I think I don't think Arnie needed to be involved in that, to be honest. You would be uh, the time cop that we need going back to stop the Terminator from going back and stopping other things that have led to bad things. So. What we've concluded here on the episode today, if nothing else, is that um, politics smells. It's all Arnold Schwarzenegger's fault. Roll on the dystopian planet of the cages. I think that's a fair summary. I think so. Harrowing in many ways, depressing, very, very unlikely. But you know what? 2021 has been a shit show. 2022, probably more of the same. I'm here for it. Um, so on that absolutely terrifying bombshell, I think it's time to look at wrapping up this week's episode. Uh, ben Davis, thank you once again for rejoining me on the journey to true cage nirvana. And I suppose in closing, uh, your final thoughts on the runner. Ah, uh, the runner. Just a missed opportunity, I think. Just. I've said it before, I'm a bit of a broken record, but just just wasn't fleshed out enough across the board. Nicolas Cage, I like the stripped back version of Nicolas Cage. I just don't think it quite landed for me. Interesting backdrop, some interesting ideas. Pretty stacked cast, but just didn't quite land. Just a, just a very forgettable experience, unfortunately. Agreed and seconded from me. Um, could have been decent, you know. Um, I think he goes out saying the the writer director Austin Stark, I should say. Um, directorial debut in terms of this. I think it was shot perfectly well. I think some of the writing was fine. 
Um, I found it was widescreen though, it was almost as if it was made to be watched on phones. Like it was like, oh, I just watch it on a Megabus or something. Um, I could, I don't know if I could recommend this as Megabus viewing. Would be uh, maybe the most damning thing I could say about this. Don't watch this on a Megabus. Yeah, I'm not sure it's it's a film to pass the time. You, you're gonna be you're gonna be watching it, and you, you're gonna know that every second is passing. So no, I would I would say stay clear of that. To be honest. Yeah, only 24% on the old Rotten Tomatoes. Um, mercifully, as with a lot of films in this period of Cage, only 90 minutes, which is um, always a pleasure um, when you watch as many films as I suppose me and Ben are consuming at this point in our lives. Uh, 90 minutes, oh, what a joy. Always makes me so, so happy to see. So uh, positives, it's 90 minutes. Uh, negatives needed more raw dogging. I think we can all agree on that. Um, so as so as our political run, our campaign for Senate comes to an end. Uh, once again, thanks to Ben Davis. Uh, ben, where can we find you on the socials and such? Yeah, all the normal places: Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter is where I normally hang out. So if you want to interact with me on there, I'm the I'm the guy who runs that. But uh, yeah. All the same in terms of the, the the podcast, film floggers, all the usual spots: Apple, Spotify, Google, Buzzsprout, our our podcast platform. But uh, yeah, we've had we've done a a whole heap of horror films recently through October for uh, Floggerween. So what we do is we take a holiday and just put the word "flog" in front. It's very clever. It took a long time to work that out. So we do that, and now we're doing with December around the corner uh, as of recording. Um, we're doing Flogmas, so doing the 12 days of Flogmas. So again, very inventive flog. Took the Christ out, put the flog, very good. Uh, so yeah, watch out for that. Yeah, it's uh, it's all full steam ahead. But yeah, uh, Twitter is, is my, my go-to, I think, for interaction. But uh, you can find me on, on anywhere. TikTok as well, we're on TikTok. Don't use it a lot, but by all means, if you want to see the same stuff that's on Instagram and Twitter, but on TikTok, then it's there. You can have it. Wonderful stuff. All the links down in the description below. Um, if you want to see, I think it's the same for me. Like I'm on Instagram, but it's just the same stuff that I'm putting on Twitter. I've just just a, a Google article told me I was supposed to do this one time because marketing. Um, so and that is also why I will never personally run for office. Um, so with that said, uh, thanks again to Ben for joining on the journey to true Kane Dravana. That is the runner done and dusted. Keep an ear out for Flogmas. It is coming to your ear holes in all the places you listen to podcasts soon. But with that said, we wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for listening. If you have been, but until the next one, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you. Take care and goodbye.